Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Tuesday, November 22nd. So you've been hearing the news that New York City Congressman Hakeem Jeffries seems to be in line to succeed Nancy Pelosi as Democratic leader in the House of Representatives, right? It would be one historic first as leader giving way to another. Well, once upon a time, back in the old days of 2009, when the big challenge in the United States was the financial crisis, remember that, with the mortgage meltdowns and all those foreclosures and people losing their jobs and losing their homes like crazy, way back in those bad old days, a young assemblyman from Brooklyn, who we were just getting to know, had a creative plan. Take lots of those high-end condominiums that were being built in the city during the Bloomberg years, luxury condo boom, and that suddenly the developers had no buyers for because the housing market had crashed. Take a lot of those vacant luxury condos and convert them to affordable housing. Here's 20 seconds of what that young assemblyman told me the first time he was on this show. Well, we uh, conducted a survey uh, in the communities that I represent, Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, Prospect Heights, parts of Bethesda-Stuyvesant, and Crown Heights, and there were 66 luxury condominium-type buildings uh, or luxury rental buildings that were either under construction, completed but unoccupied, or completed and only partially occupied. And that's just in one assembly district, and there's 66 in the city of New York. And yes, you figured it out by now. Local kid makes good. Hakeem Jeffries, who was in the little old New York State Assembly trying to solve that era's housing crisis, seems poised to succeed Nancy Pelosi, leading the Democrats in the House. And if things go a certain way in 2024, he'll probably be Speaker in the House. And after that clip from his first appearance on the show, he joins us now for Appearance 51. Congressman Jeffries, thanks as always. Welcome back to WNYC. Good morning, Brian. Great to be with you as always. Do you remember coming on that time in 2009 and that resonating with people, your proposal that vacant luxury condos should be converted to affordable housing? Maybe there was a little schadenfreude on the part of some of the listeners there, but also an opportunity for housing. I do recall it. It was an honor then, and certainly it's an honor now. Uh, and we still uh, have significant uh, work that needs to be done in terms of the affordable housing crisis, no longer just in New York City, of course, uh, but all across the country. And it certainly is one of the things I hope to be able to continue to work on uh, at the national level. It was an important part of our Build Back Better legislation, $150 billion for the creation and preservation of affordable housing. And Uh, We're going to continue to work to get that through the Senate as we move forward into the next Congress. And sadly, though ironically, before we talk about you being poised to be minority leader in the House, the housing market for the rich boomed again after that. But due to COVID, the office building market began to crash, as we all know, because of so much working from home. And now people are also losing their homes again. And there are proposals out there to convert unused office space to affordable housing. Do you hear echoes of 2009? Uh, There are certainly echoes of 2009. I think 
uh, one of the positive developments in the midst of the crisis is that with Democrats in charge, President Biden in office, Speaker Pelosi, uh, Leader Schumer, and Democrats in the House and the Senate stepping in with really a historic intervention to make sure that people did not lose their homes through the American Rescue Plan, uh, as well as to make sure that people were not foreclosed upon given the extraordinary level of relief, billions of dollars set aside for tenants and homeowners, uh, instead of bailing out simply Wall Street and the big banks, uh, we were there uh, for mainstream America. Uh, and that's tremendous work and a tremendous credit to the leaders who were in office. And we're still committed to doing that work moving forward. In terms of the uh, potential conversion of vacant office space, uh, and commercial real estate. That is a conversation that is beginning to bubble up. Uh, it is certainly something that is worthy of great consideration. Uh, back in the midst of the Great Recession, we were able to pass legislation uh, based on that concept of trying to convert unused vacant luxury condominiums uh, into affordable housing. Hopefully that's a legislative effort that can be built upon and scaled up dramatically in the moment that we're in right now. All right. You are running so far unopposed. It looks like it'll stay that way for minority leader. And I see the election among the House Democrats for this is next Wednesday. Can you explain to the listeners and to me, for that matter, how does that work? Do the Democrats in the outgoing Congress, which is what you're in now, uh, actually choose the leader for the next two years rather than wait till January and the new members are in? Uh, no, it's the uh, great question, Brian. It's the Democrats uh, who will be part of the 118th Congress, which is the new Congress. Oh. Uh, and that's why the elections and what we call the organizational meetings are traditionally held when it overlaps with freshman new member orientation. And so new members were in town last week, and the new members will be in town uh, next week for their second week of orientation. So we'll all be there. Uh, to be able to participate uh, in organizing for the 118th Congress. The first vote that will take place, I'll preside over as current chair of the House Democratic Caucus to elect the new chair, and then I will hand over the gavel to that new chair, who will then preside over every other leadership election for the new Congress, beginning with the election for House Democratic leader. I see. So even though they're not officially seated yet as members of Congress, this vote counts. What's the job of minority leader? How do you see your role if you get this? Well, I think moving forward in terms of the caucus generally, our job is going to be to continue to work closely with President Biden and his administration to download uh, the opportunities that flow from the tremendous legislative accomplishments from this current Congress. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act will create millions of good-paying jobs, fix our crumbling bridges, roads, tunnels, airports, sewer, and water system, provide groundbreaking support for high-speed Internet access in every community, as well as mass transit assistance, which we need here in New York City. You've got the Chips and Science Act. Uh, which uh, is going to help bring domestic manufacturing jobs back home to the United States of America. And we're seeing companies announce all over the country uh, new plants that are going to be stood up that will create thousands of jobs, including 50,000 in central New York in the Syracuse area. 
Right. And then and there let, are a lot of me, opportunities. Let me, let me jump in because I know you're making the case yeah. and you did it in your earlier answers, too, for what the Democrats have already done. But well, what I'm saying, well, what I'm saying, Brian, is that and just one last point, you've got the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, most of the opportunities that flow from these bills haven't been brought to life. And so in the next Congress, they have to be implemented. And so there's a real opportunity for us to work with the Biden administration to make sure that the promises that flow from those bills are actually implemented so that it makes a difference in the lives of the people that we represent. That's a big part of the agenda for us moving forward. And then, of course, just pushing back aggressively against any overreach from the extreme MAGA Republicans. What's the legacy of Nancy Pelosi as you see it? And what are some things you learned from her about leading the Democratic conference? Well, Speaker Pelosi uh, is a leader for the ages. She delivered a speech for the ages last week. uh, And she has made such an incredible difference in a wide variety of areas, but most particularly in fighting for children and families, passage of the Affordable Health Care Act, which has been transformational, uh, is an incredible part of her legacy. President Obama has said it wouldn't have happened without Speaker Pelosi. Uh, and then, of course, her efforts with respect to combating the climate crisis from the very beginning of her tenure, culminating with the Inflation Reduction Act. In terms of leadership lessons, it's been a great honor uh, to be able to sit at the leadership table with Speaker Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, all uh, iconic and legendary leaders. What Speaker Pelosi has regularly said to us as a caucus is that, you know, our our, our diversity is our strength, uh, but our unity is our power. And what I've found uh, is that we are an incredibly diverse caucus across almost every spectrum possible. Uh, and we may have different views as to the right approach on a given issue, but always work to try to find the highest common denominator at the end of the day to get things over the finish line and advance the ball uh, to fight the next fight. If you become minority leader, it'll be you in the House and Chuck Schumer in the Senate. Is it good for the country or is it good for the party? Is it a good look if the Democratic leaders of both houses of Congress will be from Brooklyn, New York? Well, Brooklyn uh, is an incredibly diverse place. Brian, as you know, I happen to represent one of the most diverse districts in the country. People from all over America and all over the world actually come uh, to Brooklyn to help bring to life the American dream. And so through that experience, you know, I look forward to being able in whatever position I'm in uh, to continuing to try to bring people together, to lean in, to making life better for all Americans. That includes the heartland of America, rural America, suburban America, urban America, exurban America, small town America, and Appalachia. Uh, we've all uh, have challenges that in some cases are unique, but in some cases are very common, particularly when you're talking about the big issues around health care and housing uh, and dealing with inflation and making sure that every single American has access to a good-paying job that can provide a comfortable living for themselves and for their families. Those are common values that I hope to be able to elevate as I move forward with my service in the House of Representatives. As I'm sure you know, the Republicans are already talking about using their majority power to investigate Joe Biden's links to any ill-gotten gains that Hunter Biden 
may have made. Will you resist that in any way, or will you say as minority leader, hey, fair question, go ahead and see what's there, or something in between? Well, it's extraordinary to me that having historically underperformed their expectations based on the predictions of either a red wave or red tsunami, Kevin McCarthy had certainly been measuring the drapes along with Elise Stefanik uh, for the last year or so, that the reaction to this election uh, is to want to double and triple down on the investigations that Marjorie Taylor Greene and others would like to see. Uh, Instead of trying to figure out how we can work together to lower costs, fight for better paying jobs, promote safer communities, the things that actually bring the American people around a table um, of unity as opposed to division. And so if there is Republican overreach, I'm pretty confident that all of my colleagues in the House of Representatives are clear. We will push back, push back aggressively, defend the president, defend his administration, defend the work that has been done. Uh, And I would just hope that my Republican colleagues uh, would break their obsession with the former president, break their obsession with relitigating the 2020 election, uh, and, and, and figure out how to actually get things done, work with Democrats to advance progress for everyday Americans. Is that a challenge for the Democratic Party, too? Because, as you know, Democrats in New York lost so many House seats. Arguably, it's the main reason the Republicans won a House majority, these four or five losses in New York. Did the Democrats lose touch with too many working-class New Yorkers, as Mayor Adams says? The party even lost seats in districts after the redistricting that Biden won easily two years ago. Well, there will be 17 or so seats, it looks like, that President Biden won in 2020 uh, that will be held by Republicans in the next Congress. That certainly uh, is a pathway immediately back into the majority in 2024. But to your point, Brian, as it relates to what happened here in New York and in other parts uh, of the country where there may have been some underperformance uh, in the congressional races, we need an after-action analysis undertaken by the state Democratic Party to determine what was done well, what was done wrong, how can we improve the situation moving forward so that we are engaging with every single community, engaging with communities of color, engaging with working class communities all across the state, including in many parts of upstate New York that feel as though they've been left behind, engaging with suburban communities who are concerned uh, with public safety issues that the Republican candidate for governor was able to successfully weaponize uh, in certain places. That should be an after-action report that is thorough, is comprehensive, uh, is done expeditiously, is transparent, uh, and that provides a roadmap for how we can all come together and do better uh, as a party in advance of the next election. Kevin McCarthy, probably the next Speaker of the House, says... He would remove three Democrats from key committees, as you know. Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from Intelligence. They were central to the Trump investigations. And Ilhan Omar from Foreign Relations because of what McCarthy called 
her anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism. Maybe all this is in response to the Democrats not allowing partisan Republicans on the January 6th committee. Did the Democrats set a bad precedent that might come back to bite? It's not clear to me uh, what Kevin McCarthy is doing other than following the lead of Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the more extreme members of the House Freedom Caucus, who are clearly demanding a scalp, clearly demanding that they follow, that Kevin McCarthy follows their lead in terms of some of the extreme things that they'd like to accomplish in exchange for their support for him uh, as Speaker, and that's quite unfortunate. I'm going to defend every single member of the House Democratic Caucus uh, in the face of any unwarranted attacks that may be launched at Kevin McCarthy, by Kevin McCarthy, particularly when we understand that some of the rhetoric that we're seeing from the other side of the aisle and some of the things that are being promised in terms of what House Republicans may do are a result, clearly, of promises that he is making to some of the extreme parts of the House Republican Conference. For Omar, um, he's referring to a number of things that she said. I guess the one that caused the biggest firestorm was in 2019 when she said, I want to talk about the political influence in this country that says it is okay to push for allegiance to a foreign country. That was taken as a slur against Jews interested in the interests of Israel. Um, That's going to come up again, I guess, as he moves to remove her from the Foreign Relations Committee. Do you defend Congresswoman Omar after saying things like that? Well, with respect uh, to the policy, I look forward to continuing uh, to support the special relationship between the United States and Israel. It's a special relationship that is clearly anchored in shared democratic values and shared strategic interests. Uh, I have been pro-Israel. I look forward to continuing to be pro-Israel while working to find common ground in the Middle East and certainly uh, push for a two-state solution that allows for the democratic aspirations of the Palestinian people and self-governance to be realized. In terms of the uh, specific comment uh, that may be at issue, although it's unclear what Kevin McCarthy is talking about, uh, in the immediate aftermath of that comment, every single member of the House Democratic leadership, Speaker Pelosi, Leader Hoyer, Whip Clyburn, myself uh, as caucus chair, uh, the then vice chair, Catherine Clark, uh, and the then assistant Democratic speaker, Ben Ray Lujan, strongly and unequivocally condemned the comments and made it clear uh, that anti-Semitic tropes have no place in our dialogue at all. And I will continue to make that clear whenever and wherever the issue may come up and certainly have been troubled by the rise in hatred that we've seen both directed toward the Jewish community, most recently the LGBTQ community, certainly a rise uh, in racial incidents and hate crimes directed at African Americans and Latinos and immigrants across the South. I think hopefully this is a moment where we can move toward tolerance uh, and away from dissent, uh, and that, that, that will be a space that I will proudly occupy. I know you got to go. Thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule 
in your new role and as you work to build support to be elected to that likely new role, uh, to keep coming on with us and talking primarily to the people of your district and the people of New, of new York through this show. Uh, as you know, we're also heard nationally on our podcast, but we're a New York show, and we look forward to uh, continuing to have you on many, many more times as you presumably assume this new role. So uh, major congratulations, Congressman. Good luck. And, of course, we'll keep talking. Well, thank you, Brian. It's always a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. And happy Thanksgiving to all. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.